You're listening to Were You Still Talking? Hey, welcome back. This is Joel. This is, and you're listening to Were You Still Talking, in case the intro wasn't enough for you. Or in case you're watching this video live and I didn't bother to put an intro on it. Today, in my, well, not in my studio, actually, virtually in my studio, I have Rick Sudi Caracas, which today is going by Sudi, and he is a writer, he's an actor, he's a producer, he's a singer-songwriter, and he's a writer. All kinds of hats, all kinds of hats. I have a million questions to ask him. Uh, he's done a lot of work. He's written at least five movies. He's got one of them right now on Amazon Prime, Walk a Mile in My Pradas. And he also has written a, a really interesting book. Um, it's called Rainbow Relatives, Real World Stories and Advice on How to Talk to Kids About LGBTQ and Families and Friends. And um, so I think that's a really great book to have written. And, you know, it's probably needed. It's unfortunate to me that that's needed because why would we need that? But anyway, I think, thanks a lot for writing that book. And um, yeah, tell me a little more about it. And thanks for coming yeah. on. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, I, you know, I had the idea like probably almost eight years ago, I think, or nine years ago. And I just started, I had the idea for it and I started interviewing some people and getting different stories on just basically how to talk to kids about different subjects related to LGBTQ, families, friends, topics. And by the time I finished it, which took a few years in interviewing people and stuff, um, the agent, the literary agent was like, well, I, he was kind of on the fence because he didn't know if this kind of book was even needed. And, but he went ahead with it and, and then we got a publisher. And, um, and now it seems like it's needed even more than it was a few years ago, just because some things seem to go backwards and stuff. But um, right. it's it started out as just for my um, my sister's kids were kind of young at that time, my nieces and nephews. And I was just wondering if she had told them they live in another state and, um, you know, she's if they knew about my orientation. And she's like, I think so. I'm not sure how to approach that. I wish there was a book on that. And I'm like, I love to write stuff. So I'm like. I, oh, how perfect. I, I'll write the book. And I just, I didn't know where I was going to go with it. And I just started talking to different people and they would refer me to other people. You know, I ended up talking to um, Del Shores who wrote the movie Sorted Lives and he raised uh, two daughters as a gay father and mm -hmm. um, great movie, by the way, uh, Sorted Lives, very funny. Um, and uh, yeah, I would just talk to a few, most of the book is just real people, real stories on coming out to nieces and nephews, like uncles and aunts. Some of it's on now a lot of kids have two dads and two moms. So uh, I talked to people about that. And then one chapter was with therapists just to get their professional, you know, uh, answers on some of the questions that we had. But a lot of it's just fun, interesting stories from different people on different subjects. And also transgender is a big thing, uh, uh, subject. So there's a whole chapter on that. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. So I would interview people. There's a chapter on religion. I call that "Pray the Gay Bashers Away." Oh, um, nice. <laughs> that seems to be the, the biggest issue for for people is is how they maybe misinterpret or misuse or misuse it as a weapon or whatever with religion. Nothing against religion itself. It's just the way people tend to, um, yeah, just find ways of taking away other people's freedoms through it. You know. So, but yeah, I had a lot of fun writing it and. Um, it's just funny you say, well, do we even need, need that kind of book? And it's, but it's really, I found it's helping a lot of people. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a lot more acceptable now than it was like 20, 30 years ago, but it's still not an easy, you know, just, oh, you know, uh, 
here's your serial son. Oh, by the way, mom, I'm gay. You know, it's still not. Yeah, it's an easy it's subject. not. And yeah. I think, I mean, amongst amongst people I know, it's probably a lot easier. Um, it's an easier subject, but I know that there's a there's still quite a bit of the population that it's not an easy subject. There's still people being attacked because of their orientation, and um, especially, I mean, I it's got to be hard talking to kids um, who may have been raised differently, and um, it's still it's definitely seems to be the issue seems to be coming from. I like the way you say it, misinterpreted religion. I, I definitely think that's the the key there because yeah. I have I have no I've never thought that Jesus would have said, Well, he's gay. Don't don't be part right. of my crowd, you know, and likely part of the people in his crowd were and he would not say anything. That wouldn't bother him. Acceptance right. is acceptance, you know. Yeah. Uh, unconditional means unconditional. So right. I mean I, I really have two problems with with the whole movement. One of them is that LGBTQ is hard for for a lot of us to say. And the other the other thing is that there has to be a movement. It just I think it's sad. I think it's unfortunate. Right. That, you know, because my parents were fighting for this and my parents are a lot old. Well, they're dead now. That's how old they are. So it, it's, um, yeah, I mean, it started with John F. Kennedy's assassination. You know, that um, we, we worked so hard for civil rights and that means everybody. It does, right. There's no, you don't exclude anyone on that. It also depends on where you grew up and where you live, too. I don't know if you grew up in uh, or Oregon or somewhere else. Um, right. I grew up in Oregon and I lived 11 years in L.A. So, yeah. you know, the, I, totally different world than probably someone who grew up in the middle of Missouri. Right. And in, in the South, a lot of times. Now, a lot of people I spoke to, that was the interesting part of the book, too. It was like I spoke with uh, two men who were raising kids in like South Carolina. So like that was right, right. at first really hard to. But people were actually coming around. And they saw how they were with the school and they had their kids in the school and they just like anyone else, they cared about their kids. They, you know, and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. unfortunately they were changing people's minds and things. And then as of a few years ago, it just got worse and worse there where and they finally ended up moving to San Diego or something. But, um, Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. I mean, so it's, yeah. it's gone backwards, but yeah, just there are certain places I'm from New York and it's so a lot of areas in New York, it's, it's not a big deal. It's, you know, but there's pockets, um, from uh -huh. Long Island and there's where it's still, you have a lot of people that it's just, again, some of it's religion and some it's just conservative or whatever, but, um, it's just, even I interviewed Shelly, Wright, The country singer, I don't know if you know her, came out a few years ago and she had a bunch of country hits, but it's hard for a Nashville country singer to come out right. and, um, yeah yeah that's lives, another example yeah she oh yeah and she lives in new york yeah. with her her wife and they're they're raising two kids and i thought she probably has no issues in new york city like no she says some places she doesn't feel comfortable holding a wife's hand and you wow. know in one business they were tr treated kind of badly because they were mm -hmm. lesbians and so it's still in certain places you wouldn't even expect but but it's definitely more in certain places yeah but it is a lot, lot better than it was. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to downplay that of like, you know, 20 or 30 years ago. And thanks to a lot of it's thanks to certain organizations like PFLAG, which I spoke with a lot of people in that who, who you know, parents and friends of lesbians and gays. And it's a great organization. Oh, okay. And, um, and I didn't even know about them until I started researching for the book. And I'm like, how did I not know about them 20 years ago? But it's such a good organization with any child or not even a child it could be an adult whose parents are still having an issue with right, their children right. being gay or lesbian <laughs> and they just have meetings and it's it's just very um 
just a great group and it just helps people. And there's a lot of groups like that that I speak about in the book and I, I learned about, I really learned a lot uh, from writing it, which is good. And then, um, you know, it's funny today, just today, someone sent me a message. Oh, your book was a hit. I got it as a gift for, I think it was their cousin and their son. I was 15. You just told them again. They found the book very helpful. So that was kind of good to hear, you know, because. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's um, awesome. I mean, it's a bit like uh, when I started this podcast, I was just kind of messing around. And um, but you learn so much when you start a new project, you know, just about whatever it is and writing even more so when you start to research writing. I mean, I, I'm also an actor a little bit. And when you research a role, you can find out an amazing amount of things. So writing, I just can't imagine. And um, I did want to ask you also, you write a lot. I saw you have your cell, you're working on several scripts on your website and you're raising money for one of them. So what, uh, like, what is your process as a writer? Do you write everything? Do you put around, put away time every single day? Do you wake up in the middle of the night? Do you, do you like take a hallucinogens and go in the desert? Uh, what? <laughs> What what's your process? How do you I don't do, do the hallucinogens or <laughs> go in the desert? But um, I, it's funny you say in the middle of the night because I literally will have ideas when I'm half asleep or in the morning. And I I mean I think I had a song idea. It was either this morning or yesterday. But I'll pull out my phone and like record it right away. Whatever the idea is, mm-hmm. um, whether it be for a song or I, uh, a script or whatever. Um, I don't really set aside. Okay, I'm going to write every day from. 10 to three or whatever. Uh-huh. I mean, I should be more disciplined in that respect, but I am pretty disciplined of writing a certain amount each week. Still not never as much as I really should or want to, but in quarantine, that's one good thing about this, uh, the quarantine. It's like, well, I got plenty of time. People are saying yeah. they're, they're bored at home. I'm like, Oh my God, I got 10 scripts here. I'm writing another <laughs> exactly. book and five songs I'm working on. You know, but it's funny. You said I'm, you used the word singer in my introduction. I'm, I'm not really a singer, more definitely writer. And then I can oh, carry okay. Carry a tune if it's not too heavy, but, um, and uh, you can sound okay. Some of my demos, I sing on them and I sound okay, but it's in a studio and it's not an audience. It's not as nerve wracking, but, um, but yeah. And so I write, it depends, like I'm working on a script now, which is called Memorial Day weekend. Ironically, I started it like five years ago and it's been sitting here. I'm like, well, we just passed Memorial Day weekend. So right. And it made me pull it out. So it I kind of, but I'm still not sure where I'm, I have like 40 pages when I'm not sure where it's going yet. Um, and I'm not a writer either that plans out too much of where the story is going to go either. Like I kind of might have an idea of the middle and what's going to happen at the end, but like some writers will use cute, you know, index cards and they plot out everything. Right, and I, right. I just kind of have to see where it goes. I may have to go back and change a bunch of stuff because it goes somewhere where, Oh wait, now that doesn't make sense. What happened on page seven, you know, so it might be a little oh, more yeah, work. Yeah. yeah uh-huh. But I, I have to work that way. I can't just, you know, so, um, and I just get ideas all over the place. I mean, I, you know, um, I have too many ideas. Too many ideas to write. Better than not enough. I mean, yeah. I think I think it was Stephen King that I've heard say, and and some other writers that um, when they write a book, their characters tell them what's going to happen, and that that sounds really scary to me. But it's interesting. It's it's like they yeah. they start writing and it goes somewhere. So you just yeah. never know how that process is gonna gonna yeah. come about. Yeah. And then it's a lot of rewriting. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, like the Walk Among My Product script was re- twenty five at least 25 times different, you know, and I actually, wow. Tom Archdeacon uh, kind of came on and helped uh, with some of the rewrites. And I, so he's a co-writer on that. He also helped produce it and stuff, but mm-hmm. uh, well, most of my, no, well, most of them I write myself, but I do have a couple of scripts I co-wrote, which is kind of fun and interesting to do that as well. Um, 
you know, because it kind of takes you in a different direction you you would go. Uh, you I suggest anyone that writes, it's, it's a good thing to do just to, even if you write songs or whatever, mm -hmm. um, it's kind of fun. And not, and not everyone's going to be a good match or whatever, but you can try. Um, I, I have a lot of fun writing with uh, artist Olsen. She's in San Diego, so we do a lot of it by computer, but we have the same uh, sense of humor and the same thing. So we, we've been writing all these drinking songs for some yeah. <laughs> Um We have one that we wrote called A Grain of Salt and a Margarita. Like <laughs> any advice people give you, you know, you just take it with a grain of salt and a margarita, you know, you, but it's more about the margarita, you know. Oh, that's but, good. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, so, but I, I don't know. I, I'm, as far as, yeah. How I write, I mean, I have my computer here mm -hmm. and I have final draft for the scripts, which helps immensely. Because um, I didn't know how to write any. I didn't, I didn't really go to school for writing. I went to school for marketing and business and stuff. And then I decided I want to do acting. And then I said, oh, I wow. More writing. Yeah. So, wow. Um, but I took some screenwriting workshops and, and uh, one of the scripts came through that. And I read some books on it and I had other people read my stuff and give suggestions and I've done co-writing. So I kind of learned by doing mostly. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess I know a lot of uh, script writers who have learned that, that that's how they've learned. I mean, I know others who've gone to college for it, but yeah, I, it seems like a lot of people learn that way. And yeah. um, the um, you were a on Walk a Mile in My Shoes. You were were you also you were a, the writer you were in you were an an actor, did you also yeah. produce on I produced that? it also, I did not direct it. Some people like, they say, oh, and he's the director. I'm like, no, no, I'm not the director, you know. Uh, Joey Sylvester directed it. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I wrote it, and I didn't play that, I didn't write it for me to play the main character in it. I'm not, I don't, my head's not that big, it's this big maybe. It's big. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, so I play a part Brian in it, uh, which is cool, I was in like five or six scenes, and one of them, Tom Arnold was in that scene, and he's in a bunch of the scenes, he was fun to work with. and. Um, but yeah, so I, it was a lot to take on. It was a lot of hats, as they say. Yeah. And it was yeah. low budget. So we did the, you know, uh, what do you call it? Location scouting. We did a lot of the casting. We did a lot of, but now I know why those people get paid what they get paid. Cause it's a lot of, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And that's kind of what I wanted to ask you. If you were, if you were doing all that, if you were casting and, and, you know, doing all the, what they call, yeah. The yeah. producer. And I mean, stuff. we had a lot of help with you know, people that mm -hmm. helped like Tom, like I mentioned, Tom Archdeacon was the co-producer and then uh, we had obviously our executive producers that came on board and got us the money we, you know we were, that was very helpful uh and then just everyone really chipped even the, our main actor nathaniel marston who unfortunately passed away a few years ago um you know he was doing he was helping us you know bring the chairs in to set up the next scene and stuff you know like oh uh, that's just, awesome yeah yeah that's really nice yeah Get, it's it's hard to get those things done. So what uh, the other thing I wanted to ask was like what was the how, what brought you to to LA? Did you come to act or did you come from to go to school or you know what brought you there from New York? I came. It was about the time of the OJ Simpson uh, trial, so I came. I mean, they were looking for him or something. No, I actually that, <laughs> I came in two thousand and you know I, I worked a catering thing where he was at my table a year before that whole thing happened. OJ oh wow. Oh, but anyway, crazy. so in 2002 is when I came out to L.A. to do acting. Like I was in New York doing a little bit of acting, you know, a few lines on soaps, a few, you know, independent films. Like, um, and uh, but there was only like at the time, like four TV shows filming in New York. Law and Order, uh, Law and Order Special Victims Unit, Law and Order Criminal Intent. And I still know what you did on Law and Order last summer. No, I mean, but there was a few. So, they, so all the actors were being employed in New York. 
Well, yeah, and it was those were the only four shows. But, but so that, I'm like, but every actor in Hollywood's on those four. Well, shows. <laughs> so anyway, um, so I really went out to LA thinking I'm going to do more, and I don't really do stage, you know, uh, musicals or stage stuff. So it's like mm-hmm. well, I sh- should be in LA, not in New York. Um, right. So I left. I was in New York City six years before that, Long Island. So I, I came out here to do acting, but I had just gotten the idea just before I moved out for the Welcome on My Proudest theme for a movie. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Originally, it was came to me as like a switching places movie, like the gay guy and the straight guy. They get their body switched, and then it's just they do get their sexuality switched, but not their bodies. Is what happens. Right. It's just some Christmas right. magic um, two weeks before yeah. the straight guy's wedding, and yeah. um, so. Yes, but when as soon as I got out of here, I got more into writing, like almost right away. I mean, I did a little bit of acting stuff, but I took that screenwriting workshop. I worked, I that wrote that script. I already had an idea for another script, and I started that one. Um, in fact, I think the second script was almost done before we even shot the Prada movie, because um, that was a long process. It took like the time I wrote it to be finished. It was like seven years because of you know we oh, tried wow. to get big producers to do it, you know, like our our studios. Right. Um, then right. It was rewritten like 10, 15 times. And then we thought we had the money and we we're going to shoot ourselves and we we didn't have it. And then, you know, so it's, and then we shot it and then it took a year to get the, you know, to put the music in, get it edited, get it, you know, yeah. and then, yeah. yeah. So there's a lot people, you know, people just don't, they don't even know what goes on. Like, yeah, well, far. it's, it's true. That's why I like having people on, on a podcast that can, you know, give a little insight on it because people do not have any idea. I mean, just, you know, I'm just the stuff I've done as an actor, very small productions, but I mean, one of the, one of the movies I was in, the producer worked on it for, I think she worked on it for 10 years and this was really a short film. It wasn't even a feature. And I was so just shocked um, that she kept it, kept it up. It it just really amazed me that she kept with it for that long. And I know a lot of people, a lot of movies um, take 10 years to make. And I was, you know, I was just watching the series. I think it's called Hollywood. Have you seen that? Oh, yeah, I love it. Yeah. Okay. I did want to, good, because I wanted to ask you some, some things about that. Um, but it, I was reminded that, well, in those days, you know, it took two weeks. You, you're going to make a movie like, yeah. Here we go. You've got your actors because you already hired them. You've got all, you know, everyone's already hired and two weeks, boom, you got a movie. So right. it's interesting how much has changed. And now, you know, because of what's happening in the world, uh, movies are going to be even, I mean, no one knows how they're going to make yeah, the, no, the it's totally, movie. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. We yeah. shot, if you have a lower budget independent film too, you tend to shoot in fewer days too, because you only have the budget. So you're shooting really long days. And so we actually shot our movie in 16 days and then three days of pickups. So that was pretty quick. That's fast. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. and um, yeah, but you know, we didn't have the money to do a whole, you know, like Tom Arnold, you better get it right the first time. Cause we don't have, no, I'm kidding. No. <laughs> he was, he's, he's good at improvising too, which is good. And uh, he said, yeah, well, but, he just is such a natural, I, I watched a bit, a bit of the film and uh, you know, he just takes over a room without even trying. I mean, he, yeah, whatever, yeah. whatever he's in. Uh, interesting character. Yeah, and we had a lot of good uh, people really on board. Uh, mm-hmm. D. Wallace was the mother of Tony, the main character, and she was absolutely great to work with. I mean, I would I would use her in other. I'm going to try and use her in some of my other stuff, but yeah, yeah, I, re- I recommend her. She's very sweet and just yeah. professional. You know, she's done and, a couple uh, things. Yeah, and Mike Starr we had in it, who was in Dumb and Dumber and Goodfellas, and he's a really nice guy, and he was fun to work with too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but. Uh, so how's the latest project going? Uh, how close well, I, are, 
are you getting close or you still got a ways to go do you have 10 more rewrites to do <laughs> we well it's been rewritten many many times and i uh -huh. think the last one really kind of nailed it or you, you know things are always going to change even until the last minute even on set you're going to come up with a better line or, or something but um yeah. it's we've been uh we were getting a little closer and then of course with corona and all that stuff everything's just on halt but yeah we you know had john schneider want to play the lead of charlie and we had jolie fisher to direct it and um uh, we have a couple people you know it's getting the money is the hardest we have some people that were that are putting going to put some in and then we have other people that if we get this much we'll put some in. so it's this long process but we're still looking for investors and mm -hmm. people executive producers for it um it's a bigger budget than the last movie so it's um a little bit more now I, I really want to get dolly parton in it <laughs> oh yeah ask herself nice. herself um uh -huh. and um, that one's a totally different movie too the other one like i said is the kind of switching places of a gay guy and a straight guy and it's a wacky comedy and this one is more of a inspirational family film uh, with a lot of country music in it so um yeah my scripts are different always you know all different kinds of stuff i write mostly comedy but um uh yeah one of the, so but, when you do a re i mean are you doing the rewrites because you uh look at it and think no i got to redo this or are you getting feedback uh from people that are interested in in producing it or directing it and they want to rewrite it so which 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 way is that or is it both it's it's a little bit of each and it's yeah mm -hmm. like some of, well some of it you just realize okay this scene could be better and i'm going to rewrite it or i don't even need this scene i'm going to take it out you know um some of it is someone read it and just give you feedback and some of it might make sense and some of it doesn't and you so you kind of go along those lines some of it i i mean i know some uh places like if they want a really clean clean movie they much want to make sure there's no cursing in it or something like that you know oh, okay. um right. so that's, that's kind of thing um sometimes you'll make changes because you know the budget's going to be a certain amount so you're like okay like with the welcome of my proudest there was a wedding big wedding scene originally and I, that went mm -hmm. out with the oh, helicopter okay. and everything because like, oh, the right. budget came way down <laughs> so that could be a you factor the budget in half with that yeah um but i mean a lot of times i just let the story what the story is and then i'll if i need to change um sometimes um yeah, a lot of it is, I mean, if there's investors in the movie, they might want certain things they prefer. So you try to work with that also. Mm -hmm. um, so, but with this one, it's just, I mean, any script should go through 10 or 15 rewrites, no matter what, because it's a good writer is going to find better ways to say things or show things or to do scenes better or makes uh, it might even be certain parts confusing. I mean, it's not confusing oh, wow. to the writer because he wrote it, but he doesn't realize Oh wait, they're not going to understand what that means or something. But so it's you know I love when people. I had a roommate once <laughs> staying with me. He had an idea for a script, and he, in three days he was at the type at the computer staying. He was staying with me, or so I just remember. And he was like done in three days with this script, like he thought he was done. I'm like, uh -huh. you know. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, that's what. That's a it's, good point about uh, people maybe not understanding something that that totally makes sense to you. I mean, I've run into that many times reading people's scripts. It's like, well, what what are you what are you trying to say here? What is? I mean, you understand this, but the people watching this, they're gonna not they're gonna have no clue what you're talking about. Yeah. So yeah, so. that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I'm I'm looking I'm. Go to my book of questions. Oh, okay. Yeah. I had a, <laughs> oh, wait. Let me get my book of answers. Hold yeah. on. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs>
we actually, it's amazing. We went through almost everything. Um, yeah, so because uh, you came and to I, Hollywood, yeah, started, started uh, acting and then writing, and then um, have you written any, is this your first, have you written any other books since your book? Are um, you writing more books? I'm writing more, yeah, right, this, but that was my first book. I didn't plan on writing a book. I didn't plan on writing right. scripts, actually. I used to write sketches and songs, and then it just, I started writing scripts, and then um, I had the idea for the book, and I have um, a book which is kind of started as a joke, but it's I have 180 pages, and it's pretty funny. It's called How Catering Sucked the Life Right Out of Me. Okay. So it's about some of my past catering experience, and it's, it's kind of fun. And I say it's it's a book for anyone who's done catering or has gone to a catered event, so it's for everyone. Oh, there you go. Um, and, then, yes. <laughs> and then I'm working on another book with an illustrator called People peeves, pets have. So oh, nice. people have pet peeves, and that means pets have people peeves. You know, things yeah. that bug the crap out of them about their owners or people. It's a very funny, um, with funny illustrations, and then it's going to be a calendar also in a book, and it's that's almost done, and hopefully will be out later this year, like for the 2021 calendar and the um, and the book. And we're going to try to do a little animated series on the characters we came up with with the pets and stuff. But um, so I think that's it on the books that I. Uh, yeah, and I have yeah, a couple of scripts I'm trying to finish. The I have ten or twelve finished. Future films done. It's wow. funny the way you introduced me. You said wow. I, I think you said I wrote like at least five films, and it I sounded did. like oh, I had five films think- that are out there and they're done. <laughs> no, that's the hard part. Writing is easy. It's getting them out there. But I have people looking at some of the other scripts, and hopefully, you know, um, they'll get made. And and I even you know I write songs, and that's hard to get those recorded and stuff. But I actually. A, I recorded a video last year of Midnight Will Be Clear. It was a Christmas song that I wrote. And one of the guys in the video liked the song so much, he recorded it for his Christmas album in Nashville that's coming out later this year and stuff. So that was kind of cool. Like, it, it's oh, cool yeah. when someone else records and he sings much better than I do because I'm not, I'm not a great singer. But, um, yeah. Well, yeah, because the recordings, the demos, as you said, sound really good. And it's interesting because hardly anybody does. It doesn't seem like much people do demos anymore. They Because they can record uh, a lot cheaper now, it, people seem to just record their stuff and put it out. So, yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's good that you're taking your time with it, wanting to get the right voices on it. And the demos sound great. And, well, for, like, and for the video, the, I did a couple of Christmas videos or so that I wrote. And it works for mm-hmm. that. You know, it's... Um, uh, they're kind of fun videos and uh, I have a bunch of more Christmas songs I wrote that I still want to do. Uh, I have to do the demos still. Now, I call them a demo, but the guy does a really good job where it, it's, it's, it sounds like it could be released on, on radio. I mean, if it really was, it would go a little further with some of the stuff, but he does the harmonies on them in the background and plays all the instruments and it's in, he has a nice studio. So, um, and he's pretty reasonable. Uh, Andy mm-hmm. Macon, he's in, in San Diego, uh, Big Rock Studios. Um, but, yeah, but if I really want, like, if it was going to be played on the radio and stuff, uh, someone who sings better than I should should do them. Yeah. <laughs> okay, modest. Uh, yeah. But oh <laughs> uh, yeah, if only every if if only um, everyone had the uh, had the foresight to that. And yeah. there's not that there's anything wrong with your singing, but there's. Yeah. I mean, I'm okay. I, I do <laughs> sing better than Bob Dylan and Yoko Ono. I know that. So right. you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there, there's where you know how important writing is. And William Hung, I sing I mean, better than him yeah. too. Bob I'm, I'm, I'm really all... dating myself now. <laughs> <laughs> you 
<laughs> Dylan's all about the writing. Come on. Well, and, true, and the yeah. character. I mean, yeah. He might be a better and, writer than I am. I and the character. I guess history will tell. Yeah, we'll we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> His birthday was yesterday. He turned 79. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah. Either yesterday or the day before. Out of the days just meshed together now. I don't know what the hit is anymore. Yeah, nobody does. It's this it's helping that I'm starting doing this again. This is the first podcast I've done in uh, 30 days. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, I started to get a little Got in, into a darker space. I would. I won't say depression because there's people with real depression. So I'm, I'm not. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'm. I'm uh, highly encouraged by all the people that want to be on a podcast. So now I can get back to it. And... I'm laughing because I have a script called Sinking Low, which is about a guy who fakes having depression to make five thousand dollars from a study for a new drug uh, uh, because he's oh, trying to buy know... his girlfriend an engagement ring or something. So he's doing it for a good uh -huh. reason, but she finds out and she gets mad because he's faking. She doesn't know about the ring, but faking depression, and she dumps him, and then he really gets depressed and stuff. But again, that's just sitting right up here waiting. <laughs> and he gets into real depression. Right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man. But he's the only one in the study not having all the side effects, so it's it gets suspicious, like, you know, what's going on? And it's funny. It's a comedy, but I, about not really a comedy about depression, but kind of. But, but kind yeah. of. Yeah. Like the Joker. <laughs> like the joke. Comedy. Pure comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm kidding. Well, that was, yeah, that was, that was, that was, that was dark. Tough. Yeah, you know, that I don't was a write hard movie. <laughs> yeah, and I don't write dark. Uh, I can't. I don't know. Like I, I mean, I watch it. I watch those shows like Ozark and all those dark. You oh, know. Yeah. But I can't write. I mean, that, that's not my. I do more just comedy, goofy. I mean, I have one courtroom drama thing. It's, uh, but yeah. I but I enjoy watching those. I just it's not. I just couldn't write that if I. Yeah, I don't think. I love watching those. And I think about the actors, producers, directors, writers going through it. You know, we watch it for an hour. They went, they did it for six, seven months and they were in that reality. And, you know, as an actor or any, anyone involved, you got to kind of be in that reality a little bit. It's like, man, they must do, I hope they're doing a lot of meditation. I <laughs> <laughs> hope they're doing a lot of meditation. Me and my wife tend to watch a lot of very dark, uh, stuff just because a lot of the incredible shows seem to be really dark. I mean, Ozark is amazing. Uh, yeah. Hollywood watching the sh the Hollywood series was such a relief because hey, it's not really dark. It is right. dark, but it's not. I mean, it goes right. a little bit. Yeah, but nothing like like those. You know, I don't think anyone got their head cut off, and there. <laughs> it, yeah, I don't think that I can think of. Yeah. Um, but it, it was interesting because I. Uh, I did want to ask you about, I'm glad you watched that because I was curious. It seemed to me, there was a couple of things that struck me. One was they seemed like they were really stereotyping. Uh, I, I was a little surprised um, because no one knew Rock Hudson was uh, homosexual until he got AIDS. No one right. knew about it. So he was very good at, at you know, covering it. Um, I'm sure everyone in Hollywood, I, I assume, Everyone in Hollywood knew. It's hard to tell. Um, but they did. I mean, it seemed like some of their characters, although they were, they were trying to be, they were trying to send that message. It seemed like some of them were, were pretty dark in that way. What did, what did you think of that? Yeah, yeah, I wasn't sure. And okay. I also, I think that it was kind of weird because they were almost doing like that Quentin Tarantino thing where they were changing the, you know, history and what actually happened. So some of the things like with Rock Hudson, the guy playing him, uh, I don't, I think a lot of people knew they know they they know what's going on in, inside and all that but i think they yeah i think what you're saying is like with they made it so 
him saying and doing things that uh, he seemed more open. Well, that was part of the point. He, they did things that, that that didn't really happen in history. They were playing. They were using what do you call it? Creative. Um, uh, what's that called? When Creative license. Out? Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Cre- yeah. Which which uh, is yeah. I caught the Tarantino. Um, uh, vibe also it was like well tarantino does this why can't we and they you know they did a good job at it i thought it was yeah. an, I mean, an amazing it was, show it, but i just wondered yeah. what your take was i, I mean on, i'm trying to think if i if know. i noticed these stereotypes as much um i think it, and it was kind of done in a style of how they did movies back then maybe too and maybe that's what was i don't know i i just i'm sure i don't know i i mean i think you're probably right that they're there were, I don't know if I noticed them as much. And um, I just kind of, I don't know. I just enjoyed watching it. I, I know I've seen people really like it and some people criticize it. And mm-hmm. um, I just found it just fun to watch and just, um, yeah, just fun. And there's a lot of, you know, like I say, even though they played around with the poetic license and all that. Oh, poetic. Is that? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Poetic license. That, yeah, yeah. That's the uh, word for well, it. well, I forgot what we said before, but yeah, I knew something was <laughs> off. Anyway, English is my 28th language. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think I noticed as much as you. So I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. Like, even with the, you know, African-American that were, you know, they were nominated and, and, and they gave her the lead and all that. That didn't, that really didn't happen way back then either and stuff. But, oh um, yeah, that was it. Was a nice fantasy that that yeah, was like a yeah. Really, that's kind of yeah. Don't we so, wish? But I like how they were. It seemed like they were showing today's Hollywood by showing us by using old Hollywood as sort of. But this right. is really what's happening because it seemed to me they were saying this is still happening. This is still Hollywood of today, yeah. but we're going to present it as old Hollywood. And I, I mean, one thing I did like about it is they seemed to say, "Well, the casting couch was for everyone." You know, that that was something that was like, that's a good point. It, that's what I forgot on, to do with my movie. I forgot to have a casting catch. Ah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, maybe, I knew I forgot something. Maybe next time. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of good looking people there, too. You, you blew that. Oh, oh in, 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 that, in Hollywood or in my movie? In your movie. In oh, okay. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. I did think that, um, you know, I always forget his name. I'm the one person on the planet that doesn't watch his show. But the manager, um, the guy who played the manager in Hollywood, who was who was the one. Oh, 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 uh, what's his name? And I was, when I was watching, I'm like, well, I know that guy. I couldn't think of his name. name. Dylan Cassandra. McDermott? Is it Dylan McDermott? No. Oh, not Dylan McDermott. He was genius, okay. too. I mean, uh, Rock Hudson's manager. Oh, oh, yes. Manager, uh, you know, from, uh, from. Uh, isn't he in Devil Wears product too? Uh, no. Is he the guy? Wait, let me think. He's on the the TV show about the geeks or the nerds, depending on how you put it. Um, anyway, he was genius. He was a very good. Yeah, I mean, great cast. They were, totally. They were, yeah, it was. What it was I mean, there was people in them like, oh, yeah. Uh, and I'm trying to remember now. I just watched it a few weeks ago, but I'm already mm-hmm. forgetting. But um, yeah, I enjoy it. You know, and I don't know. Some people. Oh, stereotypes. I was going to say. Going back to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, even in my movie, there are some stereotypes and stuff, and. In most stereotypes, it comes. Some of it comes from a certain. Not everyone is what the stereotype is, but a percentage are, and it's um. Uh, some of it can be funny, but some of it can be if you go too far with it, or it's definitely something that's a bad thing. It's not true, and this and that. So, but there's a certain. Um, I, I think we can allow a little bit of stereotypes here and there, but just be careful. You know, just not to, as long as it's not 
I don't know, totally offensive. Unless it's Family Guy, then you can be totally offensive. <laughs> then you can be totally offensive. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I've been watching, I tell not, everyone, don't bother me between 5 and 7 p.m. because reruns of All in the Family's on on Get TV. Oh, that's great. And that is that's just. That's really funny. The, it's just, it is. It's still hilarious and just yeah. how Archie Bunker and how. Um, but it's so sweet in some ways, too, because it'll. there were times he would show him a human side and he wasn't. He didn't really wish harm on people. He just didn't know any better, and he was an idiot sometimes. But it was showing that, and it, it's just such genius that show, and just funny. Oh my god, I'm rewatching. It's still what forty years old or however old, and it's the same things still apply. That arguing about gun control, there about religion, about politics, about it's like about, nothing's changed. They, like they have episodes about gays. They have episodes yeah. about uh, about everything. Well, yeah. yeah, a lot of the episodes, of course, are about uh, racism because of yep. it. Mm -hmm. and, but they don't. Yeah, and <laughs> and it's but that it's it's probably would never get made today. That, yeah, and the thing like is, it got people talking. Would and never get made today. Yeah, yeah, it did get people talking, and it was also, I mean, the writing was amazing, oh, and the acting was, you know, that made stars out of characters, which is great. Yeah, yeah, characters were just amazing, and yeah. seeing Rob Reiner in Hollywood was one of the biggest treats. Oh yeah, that's like, right. That was oh, really cool. That's yeah, that's so funny that yeah. they got him to play the studio head. Yeah, I knew there was a tie-in. I knew I brought Amazing. up all in the family for a reason. I didn't. Yeah, know there was a tie. <laughs> That's true. God, he was. That's true. He I was good. Know. Yeah. Yeah, he was amazing. Which he always he always is. You just don't get to see him act much anymore. I've no, yeah, he do, he used to direct a lot. I don't know if he's been doing that. Yeah. that, but that's the first time I've seen him in something. Been a long time. I don't remember the last thing. Yeah. So. Yeah, been a while. Well, I should probably wrap this up. Let you get back right. to. Writing, you're gonna go right back to well, it's actually almost your... five, so I gotta go watch all in the family. I just oh, said, I got... Oh my gosh, oh, <laughs> well, we better we better cut this off then because yeah. <laughs> there's no way you can watch it except for the time that it's on. There's right. no well, other way, <laughs> you know. Wait, can I tell you? I ordered the DVDs a uh -huh. couple years ago and they all came, all the see, and it, they were out of order or something like it wasn't they were labeled wrong or something. And I contacted the company. I told them that, you know, this is labeled as this episode. It's not even the right episode. It's, I don't know if they're all that way or, you know, each episode, I don't know if I'm watching them. And so right. they sent me a whole nother box set and it was the same thing. So they've made a mistake on the, so I oh, sent bizarre. them all back. So now I'm watching them on Get TV. That's so. interesting. Well, that makes me wonder if the, if the company you ordered them from was pirating them all. If they, <laughs> I, I, I think it was from the regular you know it was from the production yeah, yeah. and maybe it was just wow. that one episode but i had no way of knowing if i was anyway but the fact that they didn't even read what the problem was i don't know anyway you know so hmm yeah. well i just noticed that uh, um my name is right on my on the screen so that's easy to figure out who's talking oh uh, yeah yeah and I mine i have both have my funny. legal name is sudi but i also go by rick so and oh that was another question i had for you yeah the yeah. sudi the sudi rick so Sudi is your first, that was your, uh, that's your given name. Right. And, yeah. Okay. It's, it's a Turkish name. It's not even a common Turkish name. And uh, uh -huh. so, and then Rick was a nickname because I was joked that Sudi was short for Sudrik, which is not. So I got oh, the nickname yeah. Rick. Oh, okay. And so um, for acting, mostly I was using Rick Karatash. So I they at least knew I spoke English and stuff. And because I was oh, the called it for the Pakistani cab driver and then this and that. And it's like, so anyway. And do you, do you speak other languages? I'm um, just a little, you, Turkish little Turkish and a little Spanish, yeah. Probably about uh -huh. the same of each. Not, I would love to be fluent in both, but a uh, little bit of each. Yeah. Well, you can always get one of those apps. Well, I've been doing Duolingo a little bit, and um, uh -huh. I tried Rosetta Stone, but I never have time for that. I'm like, I really should be writing, not doing 
Spanish, and so it sits yeah. there. Yeah. So. No, I understand. I I started I started one of them, and then they wanted me to join, and I just didn't want to give my info to one more right place. So, anyway, good stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I will I will wrap this up. Is what I'll do. Uh, man, really appreciate you coming on. It's been a great I, conversation. Thanks. Yes. This, yeah. This has been fun. Uh, you've been listening to Were You Still Talking with Joel Albrecht and Sudi, sometimes Rick Caradas. And uh, thanks a lot for listening. I will be back with another podcast real soon. And as always, be good to each other.